What a tremendous service this has been. It's so good to see all of you here and just to be caught up in the spirit of the season and what a joy to bring to you a brief message today. You'll note on the screen and on your listening guide that I've chosen to entitle our message today, Messages from the Manger. And the manger that's depicted on the screen there may look a little different than this manger or other mangers than you have seen. More than likely in the time of Jesus, most mangers, which by the way were feed troughs for animals, were carved out of stone. Stone is very prevalent in Israel. When I've been there on several trips, the guide will almost always say that it's kind of an old Jewish story that God gave a bag of rocks to Gabriel and told him to fly and distribute them all over the world. And when he got over Israel, his bag broke. Because I'm telling you, everywhere you go in Israel, there, there's, there's so many rocks. And so you, you see a stone manger there. This is a picture that was actually taken in Megiddo. Megiddo was a place where King Solomon housed his chariots and his horses. And you find these mangers literally all over Israel. And we're going to focus in today on one verse that this dear family just read to us. And I'll have it on the screen in a moment, Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. If you know anything about the Christmas story at all, what Pastor Greg shared, what the Harrisons read, if you know the story, you are so familiar with the different parts of it. You know about the angel Gabriel. You know about Mary. You know about Joseph and the angel who appeared to him. You know about the angelic host on the hillside. You know about the shepherds. You know about the bright star. You know about the wise men. And if we're not careful, knowing the story so well may make it a little bit threadbare to us. It may somehow lose some of its luster. Our familiarity with the story, if we're not careful, can cause us to have kind of a casual disinterest in it. It can kind of become routine and maybe a little bit dull to us. But I believe that there's a way that maybe we can overcome that tendency to be so used to it that it really doesn't thrill us anymore. And that, that's sad when it doesn't because it is an amazing story. There are unexpected miracles on every hand. But I want you to note on your listening guide this one introductory statement, and it is this. One of the best ways, or when it comes to the Christmas story, one of the best ways for us to fight the tendency to zone out is to zoom in. That is to focus on maybe one or two details. And I want us to focus on the manger today. I, I want us to kind of put the magnifying glass on the manger. And I want us to zoom in on one verse that was just read. Look at it on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. After, of course, the angel had said to the shepherds, fear not, I'm bringing you good news of great joy to be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Then he said this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths 
and lying in a manger. Friends, that verse tells us that the particular circumstances and details surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ are important. They come to us as a message from God. The angel said, this will be a sign to you. What what is a manger saying to us today? What are the messages that come to us from the manger? What do we learn? What do we learn about the Christ child? What do we learn about who he was and who he still is and what he does? What, what does a manger tell us about us? Four simple truths I want to unpack for you quickly this morning. Note number one there, and it is this. The manger speaks of Christ's humanity. What did the angel say? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby. That word literally means an infant, a, a newborn child. Now, friends, that phrase, as we zoom in on it, reminds us that Jesus Christ came into this world the way that we all did. Now, granted, his conception was miraculous, but his birth was natural. He was a real live baby that had to be fed and had to be changed and had to be burped just like any baby. Here's a reminder on this Christmas Eve. Yes, he was fully God, and we tried to unpack that last Sunday. But, folks, he was fully human. He was a real baby. You can go back as far as Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, 700 years before Christ was born, that venerable old prophet dipped his quill into the inkwell of divine inspiration, and he wrote the centerpiece of Christmas prophecy, and it begins this way, for to us a child is what, church? Born. But also, he said, to us, a son is given. The child was born to Mary, but the son was given by the father. He was the eternal son of God, but he came wrapped in humanity. We sang it this morning, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity, pleased As man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, he divested himself of some of that glory, the outward trappings of his deity, and came. He was fully God, but fully man. We could say it this way. He was the God-man, and it took a God-man to bring man and God back together. And the only way that could happen was for him to die on the cross. And so I want you to think about it. That little brow that Mary kissed that night in that stable was destined to have a crown of thorns pressed into it. Those little hands that she no doubt held that night and counted his little fingers, they they were destined to have nails driven through them by you. And by me, because of our sin, those tiny little feet, don't you love a baby's little feet? We're destined to have a spike impale them to the wood 
of a Roman cross because of our sin. He came in a body, fully human, so that body could be broken on behalf of you and me. That's one of the messages from the manger. But note a second truth. The manger speaks not only of Christ's humanity, but of Christ's helplessness. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, the angel said. In that day, newborns were wrapped in cloths. Medical care was not nearly as advanced as it is today. So this was kind of a, a crude layer of protection. Usually, moms would wrap the arms and legs separately and then wrap the entire torso till the baby looked like an Egyptian mummy. And it might seem cruel, but those swaddling cloths would really restrict the baby's movements and provide a, a layer of protection. But friends, what I want you to understand is what a picture, what a foreshadowing of another time, 33 years later, when there would be a binding, when Jesus would be bound as a prisoner and standing before his accusers, getting ready to go to the cross. We can say it this way. He was bound for us so that our chains could be broken. Amen? And then what a foreshadowing. If indeed it was a stone manger that there would come that time, he voluntarily allowed himself to stand helpless before those who condemned him to die. But then in that ultimate act, after he died, once again he would be wrapped in cloth like a mummy and laid on a stone slab, helpless, dead, unless his father raised him up, which we say on this Christmas Eve, hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We understand this morning because Jesus was bound in that way, it's a great message to us. From the manger, but I want you to know the third message it is this. The manger speaks to us not only of Christ's humanity and his helplessness, but his humility. His humility. What a picture. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Again, the manger was a feeding trough for animals. We've already heard it today, but I want you to look at this verse on the screen. The very reason that he was laid in a manger, you go to verse 7 of Luke 2. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now that word in the original language inn can speak of, like we know, a hotel. It literally means a lodging place. It's a word in Scripture that's also used for a guest room. When Jesus sent his disciples into Jerusalem to find a place for him to observe Passover where he instituted the Lord's Supper, the same word is used. They, they went to that upper room, that kataluma in, in the Greek, a guest chamber. So we really don't know if, if maybe, uh, you know, Joseph and the family were going to stay with relatives and the guest room was already taken. Or if indeed they went to some sort of lodging place where you'd pay money like an inn. But we read that because there was no room, he was laid in a manger. Which what? Reveals to us that he was born in a place where there were animals. 
Friends, do not think of the manger as being something cute or the stable as being a place that was a quaint place to be born. It was dirty and smelly and it had the stench of barnyard animals and it was a cruddy place to be born. But that's how far Jesus stooped to be our Savior. And it tells us, that manger tells us, That God did not shelter his son from the harsh realities of life. A baby sleeping in an exposed stable, laid in a feed trough, is God's sign to us all. And you know what that is a sign of, friends? Lean into this. He gets us. He understands us. He has so humbled himself to identify with us. That he gets us in all of our pain, in all of our sorrow, in all of our human limitations. One of my favorite Christmas verses is not on the screen, but Hebrews 2.17. Listen to this. The writer there says of Jesus, He had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Folks, we have a high priest representing us in heaven, and he's faithful, and he's merciful. He understands because he can say in the ultimate sense, been there, done that. You will never lay this charge against God. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what I'm going through. Christmas says he does because he so humbled himself to come. Be laid in a feed trough, the manger, in his humility. So the manger wants to speak to you today, friend, about the humanity of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, the helplessness of Jesus. But I want you to note something else. Notice item four, the manger speaks of our hunger. Understand this, the manger was where food was placed for the animals. So a donkey or a horse or a cow could have a well-stocked food trough there, the manger, and they could come at any time and eat their fill. The word manger itself comes from an old French word that came from an old Latin word that literally meant to chew or to eat, or to devour. And it reminds us, does it not, that just as food would be placed in a feed trough, a manger for animals, friends, the very food of heaven was placed in the manger that night. By the way, do you know what the word Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. And I want to take you to this verse on the screen. Look at it, John 6, 51. These are the words of Jesus. This is red ink on white paper. Jesus would later say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. You see, friends, the manger is a momentous sign to us that Jesus is our sustenance. He is our supply. And that speaks, my friend, to your hunger 
and mine. Whether you admit it or not, dear friend, you're hungry today. You're hungry for love, for acceptance, for forgiveness, for security, for significance, for meaning, for purpose. But you'll never find that supply and that sustenance anywhere else that will totally satisfy you except in the person of Jesus Christ. The bread of heaven that was laid in a feed trough for you on that first Christmas night. And friends, if you'll ever get to that feed trough, if you'll ever get to that bread from heaven, you will never be hungry again. I want you to note how those first visitors to the manger were totally transformed. Look at Luke 2, 15 and following again. When the angels went away from them, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. Man, they're, they're in a hurry. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now they become evangelists with the message. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They were radically changed. And they had to spread the word. And they had to praise God and glorify Him. I want to ask, have you ever been radically changed like that? We sang away in the manger. And friends, we could say it this way, because of the manger, God made a way to get to Him. It was a way in the manger. It was the way, the only way, through the bread that came down from heaven. Double-click on this truth. There are only two kind of people in this world. There, there are folks in this world that are like the shepherds who have gotten to a manger and they have accepted Christ and they have received the bread of heaven. And then there are folks in this world, like those townspeople, that heard the message, but they just wondered about it. There are people that are wondering about everything that's being celebrated this time of year. Wondering if there's anything to it. Wondering if their hunger could ever be fulfilled. We must be like the shepherds and get the message of the manger to a hungry world. Let me close with this. In 1997, a man named John Krakauer wrote a book. It was entitled Into Thin Air. It was a book about a tragedy that he had actually witnessed and been a part of that happened to an expedition to the top of Mount Everest in May of 1996. There were eight men who died. It was the third most deaths in one day on Mount Everest. The most who ever died were 21 who were killed in an earthquake. But this story, Into Thin Air, told everything that happened on that tragic day, and it told the story of Andy Harris. He was one of the group leaders of the expedition. He had This was his first attempt at Mount Everest. He was from New Zealand. He was a seasoned mountain climber, but the story that's told in that book, Into Thin Air, and later made into a film, is that Andy Harris 
had stayed on the peak longer than the deadline that the guides themselves, the expedition leaders, had set. And on his way down, he was seriously deprived of oxygen. And he radioed the base and told them of his predicament. But something was already settling in. His, his brain was deprived of oxygen. He was already getting confused. And he came upon a whole cache of canisters of oxygen. And he began to tell and radio the base that he had these oxygen canisters all around him and he was holding one up, but he said, all empty. The problem was they were all absolutely full. But he kept arguing with the base when they tried to tell him, no, there's all the air you could ever need. Those canisters are full. And he died arguing with them the very life that he needed was in his hand but he did not take advantage of it friends understand this on this Christmas Eve the very life that we need is Jesus he's the bread that fulfills us and satisfies us and I want you to note this final truth as we come to the end of this message May we all be reminded on this Christmas Eve that the very life we need is close at hand. He has come. Let's eat our fill. Our heads are bowed. (coughs) Our eyes are closed. (coughs) In a moment, Brother Richard is going to begin to lead us and these singers and instrumentalists in the beautiful carol, Silent Night. And Richard will give instructions for us about lighting our candles. Brandon and I will begin with the Christ candle and carry the light from that candle to some of our men who will carry it to you. You'll receive instructions about lighting the candle. But I just want to encourage you, be like the shepherds. Be amazed. Be full of joy. Tell the story. Spread the news. Glorify and praise God. You don't ever have to be the same. Because of the bread (coughs) of heaven that was laid in a feeding trough, just as an animal can eat any time, friend. You can come. You can come any time. Receive Christ. And if you're already a believer, feed on Him daily. You feed on His Word. And He becomes real to you in your life. The very life we need. Just as oxygen is necessary for physical life, Jesus, the bread of heaven, is necessary for spiritual life. And we thank Him today. We rejoice that the life has come and that the light has come. Thank you.